Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Hopefully, all of you listeners have heard our episode breaking down the USTA Girls 16s and 18s National Championships with parenting aces Lisa Stone. It was Ashlyn Kruger earning a wild card into the US Open main draw in both singles and doubles after she captures both titles. We talked about the most notable performances from that event. Lisa's takeaways from being on the ground, of course, what it's like for all these coaches to get to see these top American prospects in person again, and so much more. On today's podcast, we switch gears and talk about the boys' 16s and 18s championships in Kalamazoo. And of course, if you're talking tennis in Kalamazoo, you're going to talk with the Zoo Tennis blog founder, the greatest of all time, Colette Lewis, joining the show once again today to talk about Zachary Svida's run to a second consecutive boys' 18 title. We talk about where he goes from here, the performance of Ben Shelton, who was half of the boys' 18 doubles championship winning team. We talk about the boys' 16s results, exchange some rumors, and then, of course, talk about the U.S. Open wildcard selections, qualifying and main draw wildcards announced. Uh, obviously, we both have thoughts on that topic, so a fantastic show for all of you listeners today. Of course, before we get there, I want to remind all of you that the reason we were able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we we get from all of you listeners, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends over at Turn of Tennis. You all know the deal. Sales at uniquesports.com. 800-554-3707 to contact Turner today. You mentioned that Cracked Racket sent you. They'll hook you up with free uh, with free samples, hook you up with some discounted college pricing, treat you like family as well. I don't think I need to make a bigger pitch than that for Turner Grips. They're that good. You already know that. There's a reason every pro uses them. You should as well. Sales at UniqueSports.com or call 800-554-3707 today. With that said, let's get to today's conversation. Zoo Tennis Blog Found the greatest of all time, Colette Lewis Westoff. Roll those credits. Let's start today's show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Joining us on the show once again today, the queen of all things Kalamazoo. You, of course, know her as the greatest of all time, the writer and founder of the Tennis Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo Tennis, whatever it is, tennis blog, and, of course, a writer for TennisRecruiting.net, returning champion here on our Cracked Racket shows. It's Colette Lewis. Colette, hey, great shot. Welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Great to be back. 
I, you know, I have been on the road if I can't get your blog name straight. That just shows you where my, that's where my brain is at right now. But this provides a sense of normalcy. So I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. And we're now about a week removed from the end of Kalamazoo. Uh, we'll get into all of the results, but let's just start big picture. To have the event back, fans back in the crowd through the ending of the weekend, uh, just your reflections on the week that was the Super Bowl of the junior tennis calendar. It went quite well, I think, um, We, considering we had some pretty wet weather, uh, <laughs> storms, uh, got really hot. I think you had the worst of the weather. I think the <laughs> that you were in Kalamazoo was the absolute hit of the But then the weekend um, was fantastic. So that kind of made up for everything, just to have no wind and partly cloudy skies, temperature in the upper 70s no chance of rain it was just an awesome uh two days of finals so i uh, really enjoyed that and uh, it was great to see crowds back to see blueberries and and uh <laughs> yogurt which i guess you don't like but <laughs> i mean that's just heresy what can Blasphemy. i say <laughs> I mean, it's awful that you feel that way, but we sold a lot of those and that's always good for the tournament's long-term future. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was a very, very good uh, tournament considering that, um, you know, uh, six weeks before we just weren't really sure what it was going to look like or how it was going to come off. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple of things to that. A, my Hebrew name, Eliyahu Saul, means brings the storm. So I apologize for that, just so you know. Uh, B, I'm wearing a blueberry-colored sweatshirt uh, for you listeners at home right now. I think it has more – again, I've I've stated clearly. The ice cream, I'm in on. If there was the caramel and cream option, I'd three a day, maybe. I mean, <laughs> minimum. Um, I think it's just an anti-blueberry thing. And I know antioxidants are important, but, like, it's an overrated fruit. I'll say it. There are a lot of better options out there. And it's great in smoothie form, but I just it's the it's the mush. I'm just like Ugh. I can this. That's my blueberry noise. That's like I just like <laughs> like that's what I think when I eat one. That said, it was a fantastic event. It was super super cool to see crowds in action. It was great to see coaches on the grounds as well to get to right. chat with so many of them. And I know you got to chat with them as well. And on today's show, we want to talk about those conversations, the rumors we're hearing, some NIL-related content as well. I want to get your thoughts on San Diego as well as the now-announced U.S. Open wild cards for the American players. Had a lot of conversations. We were in Pennsylvania. Chris Eubanks was there. I got to chat with him about that and I've been chatting to some other players who are in that wild card range as well so I want to cover all of that but the place of course we have to start is with the results we saw unfold in Kalamazoo and I am going to talk 16s a little bit as well because I got to see the 16s in action finally but we have to start with the Spida man Zach Spida joining and this is off the top of my head so correct me if I'm wrong Jack Sock Donald Young Philip King? It, it was Philip, right? That yeah, Philip King, Paul Goldstein as the only players in the open era to to win back-to-back 18s titles. I believe it's Bill Falkenberg. Another Bill in there or a Bob or something. There's there might be a Myron, a Mitchell, like you know those names from back in the 50s, but uh you know all those players and you know there are people who have won the 16s and the 18s, but we're talking strictly back-to-back 18 singles right. titles and I'm going to do it 
you're going to get mad at me. You're the official historian, but when I eventually take the baton from you for this Kalamazoo event, um, because that's the ultimate pipe dream of this podcast, (laughs) uh, just to be that gatekeeper, but I'm going to put an asterisk and say hypothetical first-time, three-time champion, because he would have been the favorite in 2020. Yeah, I, I, you really can't argue with that. I was um, reluctant to start that conversation until he won this one. But now that he has, uh, yeah, I, I don't see a lot. I mean, there would have been players. Um, Elliot Spaziri comes to mind who would have who would have come back. Um, but he, just, but Zach just seemed um, to be the same um, cool calm, composed, dominant player uh, without a lot of flash, without a lot of um, hype, he still seemed to be the guy that did it two years ago. So to think that he wouldn't have done it the year in between, yeah, sure, he could have gotten hurt, something could have gone wrong. Um, You know, there's all those things in sports, but yeah, you have to think now that, that you know, that might have cost him a really amazing thing. Of course, I, I will add as a caveat that nobody wants to even come back a second time. They want to go from winning it when they're 16 or 17 to, to be top 100 and get in the U.S. Open on their own. So um, I guess there's that negative to it um, if you're going to do the glass half empty. But <laughs> yeah, no. I, I think because um, I'm looking back at the past champions of this event, and you know, of course, uh, because who has made that jump from Kalamazoo champion directly to the top 100? As good as some of the past winners have been, you know, Jensen, he went to Baylor for a year. wasn't You know, it was a bit of a circuitous path. It wasn't just I'm now pro, uh, but he did the next year instead of defend his Kalamazoo title get into qual- through qualifying, beat Birch right. in the first round of the U.S. Open. So that felt legit, right? And had he not hurt his foot, plus COVID as well, maybe he would have done all of this last season. So I guess that's one. Respectfully, Kipson, no. Mo no. Maybe Tiafo, Like, maybe Francis, so that's two. But then, like, Ruben, Colin, Dennis, no. And then Sock, like, it, it's few and far. You have three this decade. So, you know, that's few. And then you start to get into the 2010s, and that's a whole different era. But other than Donald Young, I suppose Prakash Amritaj uh, now is, you know, physically fit. Maybe he was a winner. You look at it now. I guess you have those biceps. You're always a winner. But it's three guys in the past two decades that have gone directly from Kalamazoo champion to a comfortable spot in the pro tour. It's a really big thing to ask of any player. And yet when you right. look for Zach, I think the question, even before we get into his results and did he drop a set? I don't th- I know he didn't run to 69. I don't, yeah, he didn't earlier in the draw as well. And to beat Ben Shelton, who was playing so well in the dominant fashion, he did in the final speaks to Zach's level. Right. But the question I have and why we have to bring this up at the start, Zach turns pro likely with a thought in mind of, well, I can go play Kalamazoo in 2020, put myself in a position to perhaps at a minimum earn a qualifying wildcard into the U.S. Open, if not the main draw wildcard, even if my ranking's not there yet. If he knows COVID is coming, does he not sign with top-notch management? Does he keep the college tennis door open a little bit wider? You imagine a two-time Kalamazoo champion. He could go to any school he wants, maybe get an NIL deal in the process as well. And so 
I think that's inevitably going to be something we have to say when we talk about Zach's run here at Kalamazoo because it really, like, the dominant fashion with which he played, he was a class above everyone else, Colette, all week long. Yes, he was. The most uh, games he lost in any match was eight. And that's Uh, not the Shelton match. No. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And, and yeah, he, he was, you know, six, four was the, the score that, you know, uh, it was just that meant that you were right in the match with him and you're losing. And um, there, every time he seemed to get in trouble, it, 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 didn't look like he would have any problem getting out of it, which was very, very impressive. And then when Shelton won 11 straight points and you thought, we have a match, I've already (laughs) to tweet, we've got a match here. Because the first set was not good. Ben was not good, um, didn't play well, and Zach played very well. And so that was kind of a letdown to the start. But then when those 11 straight points, he went up, went from 3-1 to 4-3, Ben did. I thought for sure that, you know, that was going to change it. We we could have a very exciting final, which we did have two, two years prior because Govan won the first set of that match. So in a tiebreaker. So um, that was you know, kind of in my mind that in five sets, Ben didn't have to panic losing that first set. So I really thought we we could get a really competitive match, but Zach was not up for that at all. And after, you know, he saved two break points, uh, won that, then broke Shelton, who double faulted on game point. Uh, then you just said, oh boy, this is just, there's just not a road back for him. I mean, there was a chance he may be able to get into a tiebreaker or something, but um, after Zach held in that, uh, when Ben had a chance to break at 3-4, I I just think um, kind of the whole um, air went out of the balloon right then. Mm Mm-hmm. Zach in this round of 16 against Michael Zhang goes down 3-1, wins 11 straight games quarterfinals against Bruno uh, Kazuhara he I think again same deal was down like 3-2 and then he wins you know 10 of the next 12 and just that's what Zach did he found his rhythm early in these matches even if it wasn't in the first game he had faith that okay I got broken early but none of you except for maybe Ben in that 11 point run have a serve or a first weapon that can hurt me and that was my takeaway is just Zach, and he is 18 years old now. Let's be clear. He's on the older side in terms of winners of this event. But right. when you play this event at 18 and with all of the pro experience he's accumulated over the past two years since this last event was held, you could see all of that experience play out over the course of the two weeks. And just, again, it's we get back to the conversation we had when we did this podcast in person where you know someone came up and said, I haven't seen someone since Jack Sock play like Ben. And it was clear from the beginning, talking to coaches, just watching the tennis, they were a cut above the rest of the field. But still, I, like, I don't know. It, I, I don't know what to th- like how to how this changes my perception of Zach because that steadiness he flashed it in 2019 and it's just this year was the two years later physical maturity manifestation of that solidness he showed then he's a pro now he is a professional tennis player he has signed he's out there on tour where does that go from here in your mind Colette I mean your thoughts on his performance again how it stacks up to some of those past champions because I just think 
watching Brooksby, watching Tiafo, watching Jack Sock, I felt a little bit more sure about them after their titles than I do about Zach. I think you're using hindsight. Sure, that's fair. That's, well, in fairness, 2015 Tiafo, again, 2015, I was so excited about American tennis because we had all the three Junior Slam champions. We had. You know, Tiafa was still, and Kozlov had played that Junior Orange Bowl final the year before. That was such an incredible match. Michael Moe was making French Open semifinals in the mix, and Blumberg was in that mix as well. And just like that group, I guess it was all of their junior success that had me excited about their pro tour potential. I was I was also not as jaded then as I am now. I've seen things, and it's like I don't get as excited, but I still remember that excitement. Um, I guess all that is to say, I didn't mean to cut you off. France is really the one I'll speak for. You're right. Jensen is hindsight. Absolutely. But it, it doesn't feel like Francis. It's still, to me, like as excited as I want to get about Zach winning two in a row. I don't know why. I, why, why Colette? Please. This is a, now a therapy session. Why do I feel this way? <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I... I, I, I hope I'm not like putting a downer on the podcast, but I don't know. I, and yeah. I don't really have an opinion on it. I think, uh-huh. I think Zach is, is an excellent player that, that can do as well as his body lets him do. He needs to stay healthy. He needs to play. He needs to get into things. He needs to have success when he does. He can do all those things. I have no idea whether he will do those things. And I I just am not comfortable, you know, making predictions for, for him on that on that count. Um I he wants to win a match at the US Open. I totally think he can do that. Um, but again, he's on the small side. He's not um, someone like Shelton who who has the obvious ways to win points. But I did talk to a, a coach who um, prepare, was preparing his player to play Zach, and he said that it, it took Zach about three games to figure out what he had to do to beat his player and that he did it. And I, I think that that can be a weapon in itself. Even if you're 5'9 and weigh 150 pounds, that can still work if you can, if you know how to do that. Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to think that he can't have success. But I, I'm not one of those people that say top 50, top 100. I, I just don't know. And again, so much is depend. Everything has to go right. Um, you have to stay healthy. You have to get opportunities, and when you get them, you have to take advantage of them. And all those are question marks. All of that is fair. Here's my last comp for you. Not from a, you know, I think he's going to get to the same spot in the rankings, but from a game style, physical uh, physicality standpoint. Reminds me a lot of Noah, right? Just like the way they both competed since they were 15, 16 years old and watching those Pan-American Noah Rubin when he had the liquid metal head racket and just, no, you know. I, I don't see it. I, I don't. I mean, I understand a little bit w- what you're saying, but um, maybe the, from the size department. But, I mean, Noah's path was, you know, pretty typical. USTA juniors, um, ITF juniors, Zach didn't ever do any of that stuff. So maybe, you know, where they get to is different from how they got there. And, and that's a completely different conversation. But 
No, I don't see it. Is it? No, it's good that we disagree. I like that. I guess for me, it's the competitive standpoint. It's that it's not the most obvious weapons, but it's very clear. It takes three seconds of watching them. They have figured out how they need to win points in any given match. And obviously, both of them put a million returns in play. And just they can absorb, redirect pace so well, the physical size as well. And I mean... We saw Noah win challengers. I mean, first of all, his career's not over. I don't know why I'm talking about a past tense. We've seen Noah win challengers. We've seen him win matches at a slam. So to say Zach can't do that is just wrong. I agree with you. Of course he can still do that. And he's also only 18 years old. I grew two inches at 19. Like, you know, that it happened. Absolutely. And we'll see for him how he continues to develop. But the big takeaway was the steadiness, just as you mentioned. Right. Takes him. It might have taken him 15, 20 minutes, but once he found that calibration, he was able to cruise. And, you know, talking about that final 6-1, 6-4, 6-1 over Ben Shelton, Ben made that run in the second set. But I don't know. I, you were there. I unfortunately was not able to be there. I, I didn't get to see the match either. Was this close to the peak, Ben, we saw earlier in the tournament? You know, what, what, what did you make of Ben's performance and ultimately, again, his result here at this event? Uh, no, it was it wasn't it wasn't peak Shelton. I don't think it 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 came close to that. But again, I, I have to give some of the credit to that to Zach because he was just coming up with things that the rest of the players in the field were not capable of coming up with. And so Ben was having to deal with things he didn't have to deal with before. And he was also just a little bit off, I think, for whatever reason. Um, He'd had a struggle in the quarterfinals with Dolly Blanche. And I, I, you know, there there was a, a sense there that maybe, you know, when Zach continued to cruise that that might've been kind of a turning point in the tournament for, for both of them that, that, I mean, it's always great to overcome a, a lapse and all that, but Zvita did, just didn't have any lapses. And so you kind of want to bet on that kind of person going forward. But it, it wasn't that competitive, um, especially, you know, the first and third sets. The, the second one was. And it, it's just a shame that we couldn't have had that level, both of them playing, you know, at that same level for more than um, – eight games or whatever it was mm-hmm. because we as you we mentioned when we spoke last we saw ben win a 25k and we saw him clinch a national championship match in florida and by the way projecting florida's lineup next year when they add in a matthias seymour they bring in some top recruits as well it's like who poor andy andrade like just might not play because like sometimes his <laughs> floor is a little bit lower than some of those other guys and like how can you pull bicknell if he's undefeated how can you tell josh goodyear you oh you were undefeated at six but we're gonna throw matthias into that lineup as well if you're shelton you're like sam you're banned from campus until may and then we need you back but until <laughs> then just go play pros like come on uh, but it's just it's crazy because the best 20 minutes from any player I saw in this event was Ben Shelton. Like, or at least, and I was only there for three of the days, but the single highest upside, wow, he is just, this opponent cannot hang with him, was Ben. Right. That said, who is the best match from start to finish? It, it definitely was Svida. And just that steadiness wins out over time. Now, once you get to the pros, you need to have some weapons. There, There's no denying that, but 
I thought for Zach to get this sort of result, it speaks to, again, his ability to make adjustments and I think his ability after, you know, there, I don't think anyone in the tournament hits maybe Martin Dom, but the big lefty serve, big lefty forehand, quite like Ben Shelton. And we said going into the event, my surest thing was that Ben and his partner were going to win the doubles. They do just that. And yeah. my favorite clip I read of any of your recaps on any of the days is when Ben goes, yeah, we're going to the U.S. Open to win a match. You obviously go to New York expecting to win a match. And Brian goes, please don't quote him. Or he goes, don't quote him there. And it's like, <laughs> no, Ben said, we're going to win the tournament. And, uh, and that's when Brian was rolling his eyes behind me. And it's like, you can't go to New York or into any tournament without thinking you can win it. And Brian is just like, oh, my. God, <laughs> that was that was a highlight. That was, and that speaks to Ben, who's such a kind kid, just so great, such great energy, and so positive. And clearly, you can tell. And if you've talked to him, talked to his dad, Ben didn't love tennis until he was 15, 16, 17 years old. And sometimes there's a beauty to that because you aren't worn down by the monthly, weekly grind that is the USTA Junior Circuit. And you know, it always helps to win too like you're all i started a podcast after winning a club tennis national championship imagine winning a real ncaa championship <laughs> a 25k pro title you earn a qualifying wild card into the u.s open it's good to be ben shelton right now yes but, it is and i think he's gonna have have a great time in new york and and you know because all the money that he i was joking about this with with uh the shelton's that all the money he won in champagne um, it has to go to his expenses. He can't yeah. just, you know, save it. <laughs> right. He <laughs> has to has to spend it for his expenses. And so, you know, like live it up in New York and stay at the Ritz Carlton. I mean, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Or like go, go to the best restaurant you can find. Um, uh, this definitely isn't legal, but I'd be like, Dad, you're gonna. I'm gonna hire you for a private, and it's gonna be a five thousand dollar lesson. Okay. <laughs> and then I better get a damn good Christmas gift. All right. That work for you? Uh, but no, of course, it, it's gr- good time to be Ben Sheldon, and certainly deserving of the success that he has had over these last few weeks and you know uh, again for Ben I just it, it's going to be really interesting to see how he competes in New York and when was the last time we had two players who are going to be on the roster the next season from the same team competing in the U.S. Open like we've had sure. multiple who's over the years but they did it all after 2017 like when JC went on his big run that was after they had just won that final title but ugh and it's like Ben played five. You played five. Sam played two. And it's right. like, and they're bringing back Duarte. Um, they could go on a Stanford run. I'm, I'm just they can. They can. that. What's the number? It's three points, right? They dropped. Paul told us it was three. Right. Um, that was my favorite conversation. That was, <laughs> that was you know, a great one. Yeah, that was me and my pro. That's like you. Yes. I think you saw it in my face. I was like, come on, just like give me one Alex Kim story, just one. I just need <laughs> one. Uh, but no, it was it was a really really fun event. Again, congratulations to uh, both Zach and Ben on uh, their success. I believe did Bernard come in third? Right, he. No, uh, no, Colton Smith. Yeah, and, Col- so- and Colton Smith was was pretty much the I, I would say the breakout star. Um, he won. He beat Banerjee, uh, yeah. which was a very good win for him, and uh, he won the Sportsmanship Award, well deserved. Uh, Clancy Shields is so happy <laughs> to be uh, welcoming 
I guess he started maybe yesterday, school mm-hmm. yesterday. And he, you know, I said, well, if you finish third, you're, you're well, actually, when he made the semifinals, he knew that he would get into the U.S. Open juniors. It would be just whether it was a qualifying wild card or a main draw wild card. And, you know, I broached that subject with him because sometimes players don't know um, what wild cards are tied to what position. And I wanted to make sure that that he knew. And um, he said, I just really, I have to think about this tournament. I'm not done here yet. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. Just just to say, you know, I've got things to accomplish yet. Now, of course, Zvita, he fought very well against Zvita. And especially the first set was really competitive until a late break and a hold. And then it was 6-2 in the second set. But it was, it was a good match. And I, I think... He showed a lot of people that how much he's developed in the last couple of years, despite COVID and despite everything else that's going on. Because as I said, he was pretty much the breakout star of, of the tournament, the unexpected um, person to really step up and make a name for themselves. Sometimes those are, are players that have not signed. Um, and so that makes them even more, you know, a feeding frenzy. This time it was just, you know, a lot of coaches saying, well, Clancy really got a good one there. And um, yeah, he's going to be a really great college player. There was a little pep in that Clancy Shield step. No denying that. And we had the chance to chat with him on the Cracked Interviews podcast. Hasn't been released yet. We've just been on the road. Didn't want to kill Daniel West off. Um, but we're ready to kill him now. So be on the lookout for those podcasts over the next couple of days. But no, I mean... Uh, he was the breakout star. There's absolutely no denying that. He is going to fit so well on that Arizona roster, the way that they compete and just, yeah, again, for him. And by the way, I think uh, that's the Zach Svita story, and that might be the title of today's episode, Competitive Until It Wasn't. That's how Zach wins this Kalamazoo title. But, I mean, Colton was exceptional. And just the way he's a grinder. Like, just physically, he's ready for college tennis. They've got Gustav Strom coming back as well. They've got a bunch of talented players on uh, at the time. I mean, they played a really competitive round of 16 match against Tennessee, who almost be, who could have been in the finals. And Tennessee needed to beat them 4-3. Walton was cramping, but barely gets through that Strom third set. Arizona's one to watch. I mean, yeah. we don't really... Stanford's got the highest upside of any team in the Pac-12, and SC's SC, UCLA's bringing in a really good recruiting class, but Arizona is right there, and they're bringing back guys who are very confident. Very, very confident. So, I agree. Smith's one of the stories. Alex Bernard, 16th champion, I believe, in 2019, if memory right. serves me correct. That's just me listening to you. Again, I do listen, I swear. Uh, so, I appreciate you bringing up that fact because, I mean, to go from 16th champion to your first 18s and you finish fourth, uh, lefty, crafty game. I think physically he's going I, – I, like I, he's still developing, which I like. It's just like I think the game can get a little bit bigger. I would love – I think he is going to play a year or two of college tennis and be very good at it as well. Really good tournament for him. I thought it was a good tournament for Banerjee too. You carried the Wimbledon expectations. It was a good match against Smith. You know, he ends up right. – you know, it goes three. It's not like he – it's not like there was no choking. There was no fluke. Colton just played super, super good tennis. Colton's a year older, by the way, than yeah. Samir. And so – Again, your any final thoughts on those players? Any other players who stood out to you? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, it it was interesting that the number one seeds won all four um, 
titles, which doesn't happen very often, if ever. I, I would have to spend more time than I'm willing to to go through all my draw sheets, my physical draw sheets from 40 years of tennis to um, determine if that's ever happened before. But it's it's quite rare. I can guarantee you that. So mm -hmm. that that was um, that was a fun um, little tidbit, I guess. And um, I were going to talk 16s or did you not want No, as you say, we're going there next. That's okay. that's my next move. My final joke, I was going to say, I think he was in July, but Ben Shelton's still an August ace, right? Like for sure he gets that slide up in the August aces column. He does. <laughs> Do all t is it top five or just those two finalist and champ for sure get the ace? Uh, it's just, well, actually, he'll be in for champagne, and we usually don't do any of the national. We'll just see. Yeah, okay, I won't give away the full article. But just, you see, you, again, I'm I'm looking forward to it. because um, I, I remember, like, finding out, maybe it was Gonzalez Austin won, like, a Futures in, like, a random, like, June. And I was like, he's back. And I was just, whatever it may be. And I was like, let's go. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I think for, uh, again, the 18th event in general, really, really fun field, really young field too. So we are going to get to see so many of these players. Kolak versus Kang was the rivalry of the tournament. They played right. twice, one, one split. All of the coaches were there for them. We'll get into rumors. We'll get into NIL stuff, but let's talk 16th. It's Rizegi, uh ends up ultimately winning the 16th title, number one seed, dominant fashion. He was. It, it, it was. He was head and shoulders above everybody. It, Excellent. It was, um, and having won the Easter Bowl um, in April, in that final with Lerner Tien, who finished fifth um, here was an amazingly high quality match with both players playing very well but Rosegi won it and then came here never having experienced Kalamazoo before and you know it kind of brought back and he's in no way in any way like this 16th champion that I'm going to mention he couldn't probably be less like him but the way he dominated the field it was similar to Taylor Dent. It was a first year. Um, Rosegi was the top seed and Dent was not. He was sixth, if I recall. And um, you could, I remember going as a fan and hearing this sound from one of the back courts and say, what the hell, who is that? <laughs> Going back and sitting on one of those little benches that they used to have back there and watching him play and say, oh my goodness, <laughs> what a forehand, <laughs> what a serve. And so Rosegi doesn't have those things, but he currently is too solid is uh, too good for the rest of the field. Now, maybe someone else will beat him this year that's not in the 18s. He, he went to the quarters of the 18s of the clay courts. So there are players when he plays 18s that he's going to lose to, of course. But in the, in the 16 and under, I don't see many more um, Thing, milestones he needs to do before he starts permanently just playing ITF events. And, you know. He's the guy to circle at the Junior U.S. Open to see how he performs absolutely at that Yeah, level. I think that's true. He won a couple of matches at, San, at the San Diego J1 as a wild card and that field wasn't anywhere near what it's going to be like at the U.S. Open, 
uh, which is, you know, like the top 30 guys are are all there and that's it. But um, yeah, I, I think it will be. And he will then be able to see what, what he has to do, but he has been able to handle everything being the number one seed playing in Kalamazoo, being absolutely the player to beat every time he steps on the court. And he's, he handled it perfectly. He played so well in the final. Brown didn't play badly. He just didn't play as well. And that, you know, he had no lapses. He was playing fast, which I've always liked. I always like players that just get the ball, hit it, you know, get up from the ball, don't bounce it, don't. <laughs> don't go to the towel don't do anything just play the point it's really refreshing <laughs> yeah no I, I agree with everything you say it reminded me and again 2010's Kalamazoo is really my bank of knowledge 2014 McNally that undefeated summer he had where he ran through the oh, Easter Bowl right. and yep. ran through the Midwest closed and ran through the Kalamazoo to the 16th title as well by the way who did he beat at that Midwest closed uh, Colette 2014 yeah, I have no idea. First round matchup. Don't know. Alex Gruskin. Oh first round matchup of that Kalamazoo, 18 years old. I was spring term hadn't started yet in Ann Arbor because I was a freshman, but I was like, I'm gonna play the qualifier because I'm bored. And I was just like, I want to play some matches, and I freaking qualified, which I was like, lol, I still got it. Um, and then first round, I draw McNally. I haven't told. I've definitely told you this story. Listeners have heard it before. First set bagel. Not my best work. Uh, we'll just be out there. And again, he's like 15 years old at the time. I'm 18. Not my proudest moment. Second set, though. He holds one love. I hold one all. He holds 2-1. 40-30. I hit a perfect out wide kick serve. This was back when my shoulder still worked. And it was an ace. No doubt about it. Inside the line ace. Calls it out. I'm like, I'm like what? He goes, no, no, no. It was out. I go, John. You're up 6-0-2-1. You've won 30 straight matches. I'm not winning. Are you sure it was out? And he <laughs> sticks with it. But he goes, no, it was out. Meanwhile, his dad is laughing in the background because he's like, that's hilarious. And then I three straight double faults. I lose 0-1-1. There's how your match ends. That's when I knew it was over for me, Colette. That's when I was ready to just pivot to the full-time club tennis career. But all of that is to say – he played a brand of power tennis that summer that was just it was big boy tennis it was like yep. at the 16s it dominated that's what this run reminds me of yep no that's a good comp i like that a lot better than ruben better than ruben cool i didn't <laughs> yeah. i never played noah i wasn't you know he was playing too good for me too good for me then um but no it, it was a fantastic run and i think you look at any names in particular from this draw who uh, obviously he was a cut above but anyone else who you're going to say okay this is one to circle i know you know those were the kids the coaches were all watching for the first time uh there's a, a young man uh chase Freilich, who unfortunately got sick but who is a two-sport athlete and plays um i guess played little league world series as a catcher a few years ago in williamsport and whatever so um it's always fun to get those two sport you know bo jackson types uh, playing <laughs> tennis and um he unfortunately got sick during the tournament and had to pull out of both singles and doubles but i i know a couple of coaches um mentioned him that they had not seen him of course a lot of these 16 year olds are new to 
any um, coach that isn't from their section because they, you know, they haven't been able to watch anybody until June. So it, they're all getting used to it. And I heard that as a as sort of a litany from everyone that it's just like, I don't know any of these 16s. I don't know any of those 16s. And so he was definitely one. Tanner Povey is another one. He lost to, I think it was Rizegi. Uh, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had they ended up going indoors that day. But um, he, he's um, a left-hander with a one-handed backhand. So th- those are always fun. You know, you get the, you know, the yeah. Alex Rybakov types and that kind of thing. And <laughs> and so those, it's fun to watch him. And um, yeah, those are a couple of guys that I'm I'm going to have my my eye on. But mm-hmm. you know, there are others that will pop up, I'm sure. And uh, I love uh, Lerner Tian, the, mm-hmm. the uh, who who ended up finishing fifth. And um, you know, he's a SoCal kid. I don't know if that anybody will get him out of SoCal, but I know everybody wants to that isn't from there. So um, he he definitely, especially playing the back draw and winning the back draw. Sixteens do that a lot. Um, play just because they have a lot of future ahead of them. They know they need to accumulate points. Eighteens tend to take it less seriously. I do feel that COVID. Um, improves the backdraw uh, participation rate much more this year than it has in the past. I'm reusing this joke from the Lisa Stone podcast, but one positive benefit of the COVID vaccine is clearly it cures backdraw flu. Like mm-hmm. it, it absolutely did. You saw it down across the board. And um, a, a couple other names, obvious one, Lucas Brown was excellent. He really was excellent all week long. And if Regaz, uh, Regaz I did it again, if Rizegi <laughs> was number one, I mean, Brown, it goes Rizegi, clear tier one, then Lucas Brown, then everyone else. Because Lucas Brown really, really was that good. Alex Amy and Cooper Westendike, I got to see in person at Crack Rackets events. I like their games. I like Cooper's game a lot in particular. I think those are two names to keep your eyes on. But no, again, young fields across the board because we didn't have a 2020 event. It was a learning experience for all of us. Certainly fun tennis to watch. Fun to exchange some rumors as well. That's where I want to go next here as we talk about what we learned at Kalamazoo. One of the big things I had heard on the grounds, one of the things I've now heard from multiple sources as well, Kevin King is the name to circle Colette for that Georgia Tech assistant coaching job. He's had a ton of injuries in his pro tennis career. And obviously he's a former standout. Georgia Tech player was on those early 2010s teams and I think he was a multi-time All-American and you know those early Georgia Tech teams would give Virginia some runs always fun ACC tennis wouldn't that be a perfect can I mean that's just like you you pencil that one in right yeah I I would think I had not heard that but um and I had some nice conversations with Kenny Thorne but um I tend not to talk a lot of tennis with Kenny we talk about other things so that's fine too yeah Um, I, I think Kevin would be, you know, a fantastic choice um, for that if he's ready to retire. I know, um, you know, like you said, with the injuries he's had and then with, with you know, all the disruptions from COVID, I know it's been difficult for, for him. And, yeah, I I assume he wants to stay in tennis. He seems to love it. So that would be really be a good place for him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, you know, again, from a recruiting standpoint, we've talked about Ozan already where he's leaning. I think Kyle Kang's a really interesting one as well. Ethan Quinn, another interesting one to watch. You hear names. A lot of Texas 
you always hear Texas thrown into the mix. And it's a credit to Bruce Burke. If he gets in the room, he's laying out his 10-point plan. And you're going to be like, well, damn. Like, I didn't even know I needed point six. That's a good call, Bruce. And, like, obviously, you look at the team they're bringing back. Spaziri just won a 25K. Braswell was the best American freshman in top three with Strom and von der Schulenberg. Top four, Strom, von der Schulenberg, and Monday in terms of in the men's game last year. And, obviously, Siem and, you know, Chi-Chi, Cleave. I'm not going to – I won't name their entire lineup. But you hear them in the mix everywhere. The one I'll continue to circle, and I'm sure he'll hear this, but I don't mind the text. You just keep waiting for USC to land the recruit, Clut. Like, I'm I'm just waiting for it, you, especially now. No more Cookerman, no more Riley Smith. The Peter era is done. It's now Brett and Chris's team, and these are the guys Brett can get, and it just does feel like there's a lot of California talent. There's always a lot of California talent, but right. in particular right now, a lot of Cal- California talent, Kang being one of them, uh, who just— would be good fits as Trojans, certainly. And UCLA's got, I think, two blue chips coming in this year. I just keep waiting for that big Trojan name to land, Clyde. Any any names, any schools, any things you're hearing or listening for? Well, I think if they get Ethan Quinn, mm-hmm. you will just... Yeah, you say that works. You're like, yep, there you go. One, two. It's like, okay, you got Dostinich, you got Fry, you got him, you got Sands. You're good to go. Yeah. I, I do think um, that that's if not likely, certainly um, possible. Um, and, and so, yeah, um, I also heard that Sebastian Gorsny, um has committed to TCU. So um, interesting. that's um, interesting. I'm not sure. Well, obviously, it's not 100%, and he didn't tell me, so it's a rumor <laughs> um, from where I sit. But um, We'll wait for the Parsifal. Yeah, where has that been? Have I scooped him? uh, I hope that isn't that the best feeling in the world when you beat (laughs) Parsa to a scoop. I always send him a text. No, I wonder if like, oh, do I have that wrong? Since (laughs) he hasn't had it. (laughs) There are things he doesn't know. My best revelation of doing this is that Parsa is a real human. I always thought it was a myth. Just like Parsa was this legendary account that got passed around. It's like, oh no, 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 he's actually a really kind. Uh, Iranian man um, but it's like yeah it's um, it's it, it, it's interesting to hear some of these names because all these coaches you saw the notepads out they're taking notes and the big wigs showed up Wednesday Thursday Friday Ty Tucker in the stadium that's a rarity at Kalamazoo he has rules about stepping in the mitten when it's not the off season he doesn't have to be there but I mean it's again it, it, it was a really fun event um, certainly I think these schools, one of the thing, and this gets us into, again, some of the rooms, they're still trying to work out how to find their four and a half. And like, right, right. what? And Steve Denton put it really, really, I think, smart, uh, really wisely in the podcast that we did, and you can go find it on the Cracked Interviews podcast, when he said, look, some coaches, I don't want to speculate. I really like Steve. All right, I'll say it. I felt like a dig at Woodson. Um, some coaches are built, are winning for the now, and it's like they're winning off of the transfer wire, and recruiting is not the top of their minds. And, you know, for him at Texas A&M, he's like, we are not working for the transfers. We may take one if the opportunity arises, but we're focusing on recruiting classes. And you can see that, by the way, in the commitments Texas A&M has already gotten. But that was a fascinating thing to talk about, how these coaches work – 
you know, building for the now with still remembering, hey, this is our first look at all of these kids. And that was the other factor. It's like, well, we hadn't even seen these kids. I know what I have in a, we'll just say Juan Carlos Aguilar going to TCU, right? You know what you're getting there. But I'm curious what you were hearing on those notes, what, what your conversations with coaches about the four and a half and the transfer wire, you know, how they sound. Yeah, it, it just kind of depended. Uh, most of them that I talked to just were more, I guess, on the Steve Denton side of things I, and just saying, you know, we, we are happy to talk to anybody who's interested, but we're not going to the transfer portal to try and fill a particular hole because we just can't game out that you know er everything to that degree it's just very complicated they're not um that's not their strong suits for many of them and it shouldn't be they should their strong shoot suit should be um you know getting players better and not trying i know that four and a half makes it very difficult and you have to be something of a gm to to handle that that those that have been around have done it enough years to know how it goes this throws a whole nother uh i don't know complication into things that that they then have to make adjustments to so i you know i do feel for them and most of the ones i talked to said that you know it was more like if a transfer falls to them, they're happy to pick it up if they're, you know, a good fit for their team, but they're really not trying to build because you can't, it's a one and done. And, or, you know, and then the financing part of it is just complicated. If you're not, um, you know, picking up the tab for these kids, then they, it's just, it's just really complicated. Yeah, no. And, I feel bad because I like them both. I'm not trying to say there's any friction between Steve Denton and Michael Woodson. It was going to bother me, and I know they might both actually hear this. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, again, Baylor's the most oh. notable example. Bottom half of their lineup, Duke, right. Duke, Dartmouth. Like, no doubt they were the biggest beneficiaries. They've swooped some transfers this past year as well. But Coach Woodson also is recruiting for the future, to be perfectly clear. At the same time, yeah, absolutely. You talk about working the four and a half. This leads us to the NIL stuff, Colette. Okay. Things are happening. I that I can't get too ahead of the curve. I'll tell you when we're off the mic. Um, but I know schools have deals lined up for players. And I know there's a lot of uncertainty right now. What can you do? What can't you do? But talking to the coaches on the grounds, you know the – and I haven't had the chance to speak with the women's coaches yet, and I'm hoping to do that soon to hear their perspective. But these men's coaches are aggressive. And if you don't tell them they can't do something, they're going to do it. And so all of these different opportunities, and it starts with the big schools always, but I'm keeping my eye out on the Ivy Leagues. Those are the students with the most disposable income as graduates because they're going to get in the big jobs. And if you're a hypothetical, let's say you're just the Brown coach and you go to your past six graduating classes and you're like, hey, I need all of you on Wall Street to get me $50,000. Get me $50,000 and I will have Brown number one in the Ivy League. Because I can get all of these kids to come because they want to go to the Ivy Leagues anyways, and now I can pay them a little bit as well, and you guys can provide me the money to do so, and now your school's awesome, and it becomes super, super fun. I think that's pathway number one. The obvious uh, – that's number two, I suppose. The obvious number one, the big schools are arming up. The money was always there. Now it's just able to get it to the players directly. I think things are about to happen, and I think they're about to happen very fast. I'm curious what you think. I, 
explain to me how that Wall Street thing works. Uh, yeah, you lost <laughs> me at the Ivy Leagues. Well, look, I'll just say like Tim Wang. He's the example. Columbia. He's now very, very doing very, very well at Goldman Sachs. Very, very well. A Goldman Sachs signing bonus is five figures before the decimal place. And like, if I can say, hey, can I get five thousand? Just five. You're gonna make it back in a month. Like, and I can get that from because there are multiple Tim Wangs at the schools like Columbia who are now having but all. Haven't there always been? Yeah, I, but now you can get it to the players legally. Like now it's now it's all yeah. fair play. How? Because of NIL. Because the NIL. Because there are mechanisms now that these donors can go through, whether it's to sponsor the team or to your your brand company. These are, I'll tell you some things off mic when we're done. Some things that I've heard. Some methods that I just can't get ahead of the ball on. Okay. But but it's possible. It's possible. And I'm just I'm telling you, it's going to start happening. Okay. I so know it, I'm tooting my own was, horn here, but I, I think so. The, the you know that sounds like. Yeah, every club. I mean, the Illinois had people that give the school money for forever, and you're saying now that can go directly to players. So the alumni will be more interested in giving because it can go directly to players. No, it's not the alumni who will be more interested in giving. It will be the students who are now able to receive who will say, I'm going to Illinois because I know their kids get X figures. I'm going to Columbia because listen to the program they have set up. They've got the Goldman Sachs so, Trust Fund. So it's just formalized. You're saying yeah. this allows it to be formalized. It's all in the open now. And okay. that's what I'm saying is I think that's my takeaway is that it's all about to be in the open and we'll know, hey, they've got the money. Hey, they don't. And the international stuff is interesting because yeah. international players still aren't allowed to take advantage of NIL. But again, coaches will get creative. I think inevitably that does open up. And when that does, that could be the windfall for college tennis. I'm not ready to say anything definitively about that. But I do think for the top Americans, the good schools will be prepared to make it worth your while to arrive. Okay. And well, again, that, yeah. I have three more minutes off, Mike, to give you on that. So just remind me uh, <laughs> before we sign off. But, you know, other than that, two other things I want to hit quickly before we hit the hour mark uh, here. And I don't want to take up too much more of your time because we're all in recovery post Kalamazoo, right, post right. everything. Um, but San Diego, Ashlyn Kruger, you said it verbatim on our, on our preview podcast. She had the highest upside when she clicks power tennis. It's just going to hit people off the court. Six foot one, 17 years old. She ends up winning the 18 singles and doubles titles, one of the few players in the event's history to do so. She's got a top 800 ranking already. And, you know, this is kind of the bow on the on the wrap, right, of the sort of breakout season you see from a player who often makes a big jump. She wins 2020 Orange Bowl. She now wins 2021 San Diego. Your thoughts on her performance, all the results we saw in, Kalamazoo, uh, in San Diego, excuse me. Yeah, I was um, a little bit surprised by it because I, I when it, she played the East Bowl in IOSC and uh, Carson in April, she didn't look that comfortable on the hard courts. Um, and you know, when she won the Orange Bowl, she had she had said that that she was more and you know had won the Orange Bowl 16s the year before or previously. So. Yeah, it was the year before, I think. Mm -hmm. They're all running together or not <laughs> running together. Yeah, they didn't miss an Orange Bowl. So it was the previous year um, that she'd won the 16s. And so I thought, 
and she had told me that you know it helps her a little bit um give her a little bit more time um i think you hear that a little bit i've always heard that about riley opelka doesn't hate it just because it gives him more time to set up for the things that he wants to do and and um you know a big hitter like like her you know she said no i'm completely comfortable on clay and she hadn't played she didn't play that well i didn't think in in uh, san diego um, in April. So I was a little bit surprised to, to see that she was able to, you know, do what she did and especially winning the doubles title. Uh, Robin Montgomery is a, a very, very good doubles player, but boy, there were some tough, tough teams in that. Um, and I didn't see any of the matches, so I don't know what happened. Um, obviously it was no ad, so anything could have happened, but, um, <laughs> I, I thought um, I didn't see that coming, even though, as you mentioned, we talked about her in the preview and knew that she had a chance. So um, I, I don't think she was in, in any sense, you know, one one of the very top picks. But um, I don't think anybody who's seen her play could say, oh, yeah, she can't win. She certainly um, she certainly can. I made this point with Lisa. I know I've been a bit hesitant to get really excited about the Kalamazoo field this year. You look at the San Diego girls 18s field, you know, Yepafanova loses early, Collins round of 16, and then all four semifinalists. I mean, it was a good tournament for Robin Montgomery, who's already signed and turned pro, and we know how good she can be. And, you know, uh, Katrina Scott wasn't in the field, but she has a U.S. Open qualifying wild card as well. We know how good she can be. Obviously, Kruger gets the win. We look uh, for Reese Brantmeyer. She's already top 30 junior at age 16. And um, it starts with a V, the other semifinalist. I'm, I'm blanking here. Alvina Kalieva. Alvina Kalieva. Thank you. There it is. I, there's a V in there somewhere. And you knew who I was talking about, which is all that matters. But the depth of that field, and then you add in the tidbit that the real player who would have won this hands down if she needed to, and it would have been hilarious if she wanted to, Coco Goff, if she right. was just like, I want to be the one seed, and I'm going to win San Diego just because I like to. Um <laughs> You know, the depth right now in American women's tennis and in the juniors in particular, it's outstanding. Like, bravo yeah. to player development because they've nailed it. Yeah, and that's definitely true. And and you just, like with the WTA, you really are not sure who's going to end up winning any mm-hmm. given tournament. And I, I think um, all U.S. players have, have a chance um, at any junior slam and – um, I'm really looking forward to New York. So, yeah, I was interested if we want to get it a little bit into that wild cards before we sign off. That, yeah. that I was going to say just one final thought would be on the women's side. It's just like there are going to be a lot of bites at the apple, right? Even if not all of them end up top 10 or top 20, whatever it be. I think there's a lot of top 100 type talent. That would be my yeah. final thought on that. And so that's the super exciting part. But of course, to get to the top 100, you have to have opportunities, you know, not only that you make for yourself, but sometimes you need them handed to you and you need a little luck along the way. And certainly receiving a U.S. Open wild card, uh, that's a little bit lucky, a little bit talent as well. That is absolutely Colette, where I want to end today's conversation because I think I got optimistic. I blame myself. I don't blame anyone else. For me, again, I would have bet my every penny I was going to earn. My, You can take my family. You can take the podcast. You can take it all from me. You can even take West off. That Nakashima, Brooksby, 
Svida and Riffis were going to get the first four wild cards. Uh, obviously, with Mackie and Kudla getting into the main draw, they no longer needed it. That opened up, you know, four spots. I didn't realize there was an Australian reciprocal. There was that took. I don't one. know where. Yeah, that was kind of. There wasn't a French this year, so it was really odd that it that to me that it um, that resurfaced without any mention at all. <laughs> yeah, right. There was no there was no warning of that. Yeah, no, and no. so they that's one. At that point, you have three for four or four for three in my mind. Four guys, Americans who have won challenger titles: Eubanks, Kruger, Fertangelo, Sock. Sock does get one of them. So you know that's. I don't even think we need to talk through that one. Everyone understands Jack's going to get a wild card. But you look at the other two. If I was going to tell you it was going to be Emilio Nava and I was going to tell you it was going to be Ernesto Escobedo, you would have been like, Alex, relax. Like, I I didn't expect either of those names. No, I didn't either. And And so I I was going to say, what do you think of the seven? I I think they're fine. And, and I you know, again, I just wasn't – I just didn't expect it. I thought maybe um, JJ Wolf or Maxine Cressy or somebody like that would would um, get it. I, but I have no problem with it. I love Emilio. I think he's, you know, I, I'm a big fan of his, and I just don't know kind of where that came from. Um, he hasn't had an outstanding year by any stretch. He's he's won some, but um, yeah, I do, I I was just surprised by that uh hopefully he does well and um yeah i you know ernesto has always his because he didn't go to college and was kind of um doing his own thing he was never kind of thought to be one of the usta's guys but i mean this kind of you know gives them a chance to say yeah we're we're with you and we're ready to support you and that's a big money thing i mean they are spreading it around a little bit and to the younger guys i mean ernesto's not that young but Emilio's only 19 i think so i i do think that you know there might just be some well we gave so and so one last two years last year two years ago that sort of thing so they may just be spreading it around mm-hmm. no and again given all the injuries Ernesto's gone through given he's been a top 100 guy before you can understand why they think maybe he's healthy maybe they've seen something and they're like trust me if we get him the opportunity he'll be back where he was before and I mean talk about a guy who balled a jet coming out i remember watching him and just being like what is this who is this ernesto escobedo uh but of course those are your men's main draws the women's i think were to a t like i understood each and every decision and by the way the biggest winner of the wild card process quoting my own tweet here was jmg tennis and joe gilbert who got all of his players hooked up and you look at the women's wild cards obviously we mentioned brooksby already but katie volley who trains over there she gets one into the main draw outside of that you had the obvious ones kruger your san diego champion navarro your ncaa champion you look at the rankings they go Haley baptiste katie mcnally both make sense to me coco yeah. vandaway who's getting healthy we know when healthy she's top 100 venus williams who will have a wild card into the event for the rest of her career justifiably so puts butts in seats sells tickets that's all, what you ask for out of a wild card I, all seven of these made i i like all of the picks curious you think yeah i don't ha- i i don't have any objections i don't think there's any oh how could you not give one to so-and-so but because claire I, got in claire lou would have been the one to me like how do you not uh, get her a wild card? but she yeah. gets in right 
Yeah, which was good because yeah, she she was one that has really been stepping up this year and really needed to be rewarded for the success she's had. But yeah, the fact that she got in is is um, probably made it a little bit easier for them. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know was somebody snubbed. I, if they were, I don't I don't know who it would have been. So you know, no. them and yeah. and they they gave Scott and Montgomery and and all of the you know, the girls and women that, that, you know, we're expecting them to get qualifying wild cards. So that's great. They got wild cards into the main draw last year. So yeah, you didn't win San Diego this year. Well then try, try your luck at qualifying. I think that's totally fair. And the qualifying wild cards they gave out, will start with the women's side. Wow. Voice crack. That's, I guess we're talking Kalamazoo. It makes sense. But um, you look at the field, I love that they gave them to the San Diego semifinalists. Reese Brantmeyer was always going to get one as the finalist, but Robin gets one. Elvina gets one as well. Great picks. Vicky Duvall, you love to see that selection. Okay. Hannah Chang's been really, really good. You've also got Ellie Mandlick. Uh, I believe Lurvy, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, Gunu? Gunaway. Gunaway, thank you. Uh, Katrina, Peyton Stearns, who was obviously the number one singles player for Texas this past season. They gave one just, you know, I, I, I will get to the men's in a second, but I like all of those picks. Not a single objection. Yeah, and I think Peyton maybe was maybe the surprise in that. Um, could have been the surprise, but she she got one into to Cincinnati and acquitted herself well. So I, you know, good for them for not kind of brushing off another uh, top American in college because that has happened in the past, and I'm well, glad it did this time. Well. On the men's side, no Blumberg. That was the noticeable absence on the qualifying wild cards. And obviously, let's be clear, I'm biased. I'm big fan of Will personally, big fan of his family. They've been way too kind to us here at Cracked Rackets. But we'll go through. Ulysses Blanche was the closest by ranking. He may get in, by the way, to qualifying on his own ranking. And if he does, I think it's Blumberg. I don't know Blumberg's in the short list of people who could get that qualifying wild card if it opens up. You've got Blanche, Christian Harrison, his results this season, totally get that one. Right. Zane Khan, watch Zane play for two seconds. I get that decision. I like the Kova pick. I Kozlov, you get it. Nanda, Shelton was always going to get one. And then Spaziri, the Nanda one to me is the one I did not see coming. I know he made a semifinals of Kerry. Uh, and Spaziri, this again proves the theory, the Illinois Future Circuit, Edwardsville, Decatur, Champaign, it's a rite of passage. Spaziri wins one of those events, as does Shelton. They both get wild cards. But I guess of this group, Nicholas Moreno de Elberon obviously is a surprising one. And then Govin Nanda, those are like, I love the Kova pick. So the, those are the two that I just, I, Nanda over Blumberg, like, I mean, I know he semifinaled carry, so that's one better pro result, but like... He, he won Wichita. Oh, uh, Nanda did? Yeah. Oh, that's what I'm missing. Ah, okay. So I'm allowed to miss one tournament. It ha- <laughs> it happens every so often. Okay. okay. And, that, and then at that's the last why. minute, okay. they, they gave him a wild card into carry. Uh, he, did, he didn't even know he was getting apparently um you know until the very very last minute because he wasn't on the i i don't think he was on the collegiate team so no. 
Um, so that was all. Maybe that was a payback for not being named to the collegiate team. I'm not sure. No, it's just good lobbying by Joe Gilbert. Hire him to pass your bill wherever you are. <laughs> um, no, I mean, okay, and, that and, makes way more sense. And Del, uh, Del Moran, Del yeah. Alberon, um, he's just he's done it on his own, and he's gone out and won, you know, three futures in Tunisia or someplace. Hey, give the guy some credit for that. And then he made a semi of a challenger this uh, in July as well. So he he has proven that that it's he's not just a futures player. I don't know his game at all. I can't tell you anything about him, but I have watched his results because he's a former. Um, UC Santa Barbara star and he was very very good in college but playing for UC Santa Barbara you don't get the chance to play the highest ranked players and then get into all that stuff but he still had a great great career there he got he got up there because they did play some SoCal teams that you know were highly ranked and he beat a lot of good players so I don't I you know he's just one of those people that hasn't you know gotten any hype that I know of but uh, somebody at the USTA is obviously just looking at results and how much your ranking has improved from the le- end of last year to the middle of this year and seeing what they liked, what they've seen. And so he gets a wild card. I, maybe he's with Joe Gilbert. I don't know. No, Nanda is. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. Well, Alvarez. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's the newest addition. I saw him in DC. That makes that's who that was. Um, no, now that you've said this, okay, I'm sorry, Will, but like, yeah, your next man up, Kova, I guess, is the guy you would argue it was either Kova or Will because that's the college card. That's like the, hey, you two were the two best in college tennis from an American perspective this past year. And like, I guess they went Kova over Will. That's interesting to note. But yeah, all the other guys have, you know, Elliot earned it. There, I think that I had no problems with the Elliot decision. Now that I know the context of Nanda, obviously Shelton as well, I totally get those. So it's Kova, Kozlov, Will for the final two. And they were like, let's go with the Ks. We, we're, we're in. Uh, that's just alliteration-wise. If we go con, yeah, it's just well, there we I, go. I think Will would have helped himself if he would have played a little bit more. Yeah, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying now. I hate to that's, – that's it, isn't it? I think so. I, <laughs> he just doesn't play enough. And, uh, you know, if you don't play enough, then it's really hard to – you know, just to award wild cards based on potential or past performance, you you need to be actually out there in the arena, as they often say. So. Absolutely. Well, then, with that in mind, I think we hit everything over the past week across the junior wild card world. That was that was just therapeutic for me. I needed that. So now I feel caught up. I feel like I've done what I need to do. Of course, again, you can read the 16s recap. It's been published on Tennis Recruiting as of us recording this on Thursdays. The 18s come out tomorrow. Tomorrow. So that will both be published by the time this podcast is published. Of course, there is no one who covers the Kalamazoo beat better than you, Colette. And, you know, if you aren't reading her work, what are you doing? So, of course, I have my thoughts to you, and we talked about it beforehand, but so our listeners know, any uh, any any fun things down the pipeline? Any things we should be excited for? Uh, yeah, if, if you're really interested in seeing how the U.S. Open Juniors might come off, um, follow um, my coverage of the College Park uh, Grade 1, J1, which starts... Uh, Van Richeven Opelka was when I knew. That was when I knew. 
Um, it starts Monday in, in College Park, Maryland. Uh, from what I hear from a lot of college coaches are going there because U.S. Open is iffy for them as far as getting in. Uh, so they are going in a lot of it has a very good field this year because the Canadian junior event that usually is the week uh, before the U.S. Open juniors, it was downgraded to a, a J3. So uh, much bigger points and much better competition will be in College Park. So they're expecting a lot of good college coaches and um, a lot of top international players that are going to warm up for the U.S. Open juniors there. So um, I've covered it for many, many years now, six or seven, I think. And uh, it's a great event. Uh, Junior Tennis Champion Center is is one of the heartbeats of American tennis for sure. And um, yeah, follow me on Zoo Tennis, at Zoo Tennis on Twitter, and uh, go to Zoo Tennis and read the daily coverage. And yeah, I'll learn more, probably more than I learned in Kalamazoo while, <laughs> while I'm there. So that'll be fun. No doubt about that. I'm going to get slack, I'm sure, because someone there is going to listen to this. I, I chickened out. I fully acknowledge it. When I was in D.C. one morning, I was like, well, let me just see how far College Park is. And I was like, oh, it's like 30, 40 minutes. Let me just drive out there because I just want to be at the grounds and just be like, oh, okay, this is what College Park look like, looks like. And I didn't go inside because I didn't want to be weird and be like, no, I just – I want to see this play. Like you want to – I didn't do that. But I did drive there and I did like just to see it. It is magnificent. Like yeah. eventually I'm going to have to take the full tour. Um, but I just, it was, you know, again, a rush thing. That's on me. I apologize. But I'm excited to read your coverage, be there vicariously through you. And, of course, Colette, it is always a pleasure to have you on the show. So, as always, stay safe, stay healthy. We will chat with you again soon. All right. Thanks, Alex. Hope all of you enjoyed our conversation with Colette Lewis. A thank you to her, as always, for taking the time to chat with us about everything going on right now in the tennis world. You're already reading Zoo Tennis. You're already reading her work on TennisRecruiting.net. But if for some reason you aren't, uh, you know, go check it out right now because certainly it is some of, if not the best, in the business. And, you know, obviously we look forward to having her on the show again sometime soon. Of course, I mentioned this at the top, but if you want to hear us talk about the girls' 16s and 18s event, Lisa Stone joined me yesterday uh, to talk about all of that action. Mini breaks day in, day out, recapping everything at the Western and Southern Open. And then next week, we start previewing the 2021 U.S. Open. So, of course, to catch up on all of the action happening across levels in the tennis world, go to our website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates twitter instagram facebook youtube we are at cracked rackets you want to message me directly i am at great shot pod of course like rate subscribe review to this show the mini break and the cracked interviews podcast where we've spoken to players like chris eubanks ernest gulbis of late we chat with coaches like columbia's howard endelman we talked to michael woodson steve denton and so many more uh of course again shout out as always to super producers max flickner and daniel westoff for the f- of any job they do day in day out making all of that content possible a shout out as well to our our friends at Turn a Tennis. Remember, it's sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707 to join the Turner family today. But with that said, for my fantastic guest, Colette Lewis, our super producers, Fleener and Westoff, our friends at Turner, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. Hey, great shot. We'll talk to you all next time. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>